Hey everyone, it's James the Notorious Banker inviting you to join me on TikTok. That's at Notorious Banker on TikTok. Yeah, I know it's kind of weird to have a 38-year-old on TikTok, but you know, I was so inspired by people who share couponing deals on there, home and car hacks, among other things. It's a very influential place to be right now, and you can get a lot of traction with a lot of people fast. And I really think my brand of humor, along with banking news and information, and stories about unethical things going on in big banks, fits perfectly on TikTok. No, I won't be doing a lot of dancing, but what I will be doing is a lot of information giving to you, the general public, you know, the 67 million people who bank at Bank of America, the 30 million plus at Bank of Wells Fargo. You need to know the stories and you need to know the tea behind what's going on in the banking world. So if you join me on TikTok at Notorious Banker, I am going to blow your mind. I'm going to try to make you laugh as well, but I'm going to keep it informational and I'm going to keep it fun. So join me on TikTok today. That's at Notorious Banker. All right, and we're back. I wanted to keep this first segment short and sweet because, frankly, it's just a bizarre story. And it seems like I didn't see it, you know, in the media anywhere whatsoever. It was one of these shared experiences that I always talk about on Twitter where hundreds, if not thousands of people complain about the same exact thing that is happening with the bank. And they're all sharing in the frustration. They're all trying to call customer service. And absolutely nothing is happening happening to make that right. And then, of course, with my experience as a notorious banker, I can tell when something is just going to shit whenever I see all those people tweeting and then I see screenshots of what's going on. So what went on, you ask? Well, on April 14th and 15th, overnight, people woke up to thousands of dollars more in their accounts than what they had. Some people were negative and they woke up with $7,367 to one person. 9000 in an account and another one. This person didn't get so lucky, only had $1,500 in there. $7,000, $15,000, and I even saw one up here, $22,626.02. What was this? Was it a bank error in your favor like Monopoly has on the community chest or chance cards? No, it was Bank of America glitching out. And Bank of America never announced after the fact that, hey, we had a glitch and we fixed it. They didn't even acknowledge it whatsoever. So basically what it was was a pending credit. And it said this. This is what all of the, all of the messages said for all the people who shared screenshots. It says, overdraft credit ends 5-15-2020 on 4 And for this particular person, it was $710.68. 30 times over, you know, creating over $20,000 of credit that was not actual money, but was available as actual money for a time in their Bank of America account. So a lot of you are saying, well, what's overdraft credit? Is Bank of America just being generous and just doing amnesty in all overdrafts? Fuck no, that's not Bank of America style whatsoever. And that overdraft credit that they, you know, showed on there on the screenshots of hundreds of people that is not a normal screen for a Bank of America associate. The overdraft credit screen that I saw with all these posts was something that, that started last March whenever the first stimulus, the first stimmy, that $1,200 came to um, you know people everywhere in the United States. What Bank of America did, and other banks did it too, mind you, but what Bank of America did was they created a scenario where they refunded all the overdrafts or the negative balance that most people had on their account to zero. So if you owed $120.50, they gave you $120.50 back. Um, in order to put you at level, that way you can experience the full $1,200 stimmy. And that was the whole point of that. And a lot of people actually reported that as news. Um, Imani Moise, who was at Reuters, I believe she's at Financial Times now, actually did a story about that saying, hey, Bank of America and Chase and Wells Fargo have committed to uh, temporarily suspending overdraft fees, crediting these fees for people so they can experience the full $1,200 because last April, things were still kind of sketchy in America with the pandemic. And I did a podcast about it a year ago where I basically said, I think this is the most irresponsible shit I've ever seen. Because the credit was a 30-day rolling credit. It was something that never posted to your account, but it was something that was there just to kind of fill the gap. You know, it's like kind of how you're trying to fix a pothole, but you're not repaving the road. It's a temporary fix for a long-term problem. 
So basically what happened was everyone got to zero so they can get the full stimulus. And then after 30 days, the money was gone and they would set you back up more. My argument was, let's say you had $120.50 in, um, in a negative balance. Then it went to zero. Then you got your $1,200. But then you decided to catch up on bills and you started doing some auto pays you know, for the electric bill and your cable bill and all these things. And then all of a sudden you say, screw it. Hey, I'm going to set up a gym membership too. And they require auto pay. So you set that up. And then you realize a month later that you're not going to have any money because your job's not back and you're not earning any money. So you're back at zero. Bank of America then retracts the overdraft credit that they gave you. And then all of a sudden, boom, gym membership hits, $20 monthly fee equals a $35 overdraft fee. And Bank of America just basically played blackjack with you. They basically put a bet on there, which was a 50-50 proposition, that they were going to net some more money out of there. And they did because you couldn't help yourself. You had $1,200 in your account and you spent $1,220. And all of a sudden, they take their money back that they fronted you to give you back to level. Plus, they charge you a 35 fee on top of that. It was really, really irresponsible for them to do that. And I think I was the only one tweeting about it saying, this is ridiculous. I would insist that they delete that overdraft credit because you're basically giving me fake money, money that's not there. And, you know, one blanket overdraft amnesty would have been amazing in March. I think Bank of America could have got so many kudos, including from yours truly, had they done that. But they didn't. They put a news release out saying, Bank of America announces additional coronavirus, you know, relief. And basically, the coronavirus relief and bullet points are saying, hey, if you got a fee, call us and we'll talk about it. Well, no one could fucking call because it was a four, five, six hour wait. Because a lot of branches were closed, so a lot of people relied on the phone. And whenever they called, guess what? They had to wait in queue. So there's millions of people on the line, and no one was ever getting a chance to talk to an associate. So whenever they said, hey, call us, and we'll take care of your fee, and you couldn't talk to them, it made, me seem, it made it seem like it was kind of a phony promise. It made it seem like Bank of America knew that you weren't going to be able to get through, so they were going to be able to get away with charging you overdraft fees. And we have a, a segment on that coming up in a second. Um... But those overdraft credits were horrible. So whenever that went away, it caused a huge mess. Second stimulus at the beginning of the year, the $600 saw it again, saw the same thing happen. The same people ran into the same problems. And then the $1,400 stimulus last month, of course, this happened then. But the, the stimulus happened right around the 15th, 16th of March. I got mine around there. And I wasn't overdrawn, so I didn't see this on there. But people got that credit for it to be released, you know, April 15th, 16th or so. So what happened was on April 15th, instead of actually reversing the overdraft credit that a lot of these people got, Bank of America actually resubmitted a credit, not a debit, excuse me. And, um, and it glitched, and it did it multiple times over. This one person named Leanne, I'll link to her in the show notes, she had $710 deposited 30 times in her account, giving her a positive $20,000 balance. She's a fucking preferred customer off the glitch of Bank of America. She calls Bank of America. What does Bank of America say? Oh, yeah, it should drop off in the next 30 days. They literally told her to not touch it for 30 days. Imagine having $20,000 in your account when you don't have anything. And they basically say, hey, we're going to just leave this money here. It's not going to earn interest. It's going to fuck up your statement because you're not going to know exactly how much you have. And it runs the potential of, of fraud happening to you because if someone steals your card and commits fraud, the money that they're stealing is Bank of America's money. Yeah, we'll fix it in 30 days. Fucking ridiculous. I couldn't believe that when she said that. And other people did that as well. Like I said, some were in the hundreds, but some were in the several thousands of dollars. And... You know, I always tell people, I say online banking and mobile banking is a great tool. It's not the only tool that Bank of America has, but it is a great tool to check your balance. And I would get questions, how often should I check my balance? I say check it twice a day. Check it when you wake up and check it when you go to bed. That way you kind of know where you're at at all times. Well, if you go from having nothing to having $22,000 in your account, um, you probably would want to call Bank of America too to see what the hell the deal is, right? Well, Bank of America was not helpful on the phone to a lot of these people basically saying, oh yeah, we'll fix it, give it 30 days. 
How does that help anyone? It just creates more frustration and more insecurity about what your available balance is. And this is something that I was trained to say at Bank of America. Your available balance doesn't necessarily mean what you have in your account right now. So the number that you have at the end of that doesn't necessarily reflect how much money you actually have. Well, what the fuck is it there for? Like whenever the selling point of online and mobile banking is you can check your balance, you can check your accounts at any time. Well, what the hell is the point in checking them if what you're seeing is possibly not real? Am I right? And that's the thing that I just get so frustrated on because the capabilities that Bank of America can have if they wanted to could be amazing. They could be the most revolutionary company in the world. Instead, they claim to be a tech company and revolutionary while absolutely doing nothing but create havoc for these people. Now, here's the thing about the overdraft credit thing and why I think it's an important story to tell. About 90% of the people that I saw complain about this on Twitter were African-American. There's a couple Hispanic people, but mostly African-American and Hispanic people. A couple white people too, but the overwhelming um, diversity of the people who received hundreds, if not thousands of dollars extra in overdraft credits that were inadvertently put in their account was uh, not beyond me, okay? And I've said it before in this podcast, and I'll say it again. Overdrafts impact communities of color, people who are disadvantaged, people who don't have a lot of money. The whole point of living paycheck to paycheck or the whole notion of paycheck to paycheck is I don't have any money. I got my paycheck to pay my bills so I cannot have money again, and I wait for the next paycheck. Well, what happens with those people is automatic payments come out for a utility bill. Automatic payments come out for Netflix. You know, something automated, Hulu or whatever comes out. And those things that you agree upon with those third-party companies. Now, I'm not putting all the blame on big banks. That's not how I roll. It takes two to tango. So customers are responsible for understanding what they have and the terms and conditions of those companies are. But here's the problem with that. When you're paycheck to paycheck and you don't have money and literally a $5 charge can put you negative $40 or negative $75 if a second thing tries to go through at the same time, then it's kind of irresponsible to just throw $20,000 in someone's account and say, just ignore it. Because what happens is even if those things, let's just say theoretically like Netflix or Hulu comes out whenever the bank inadvertently puts $20,000 in your account. And it doesn't overdraft because, you know, you have the money in there at the moment. But then when things start getting reversed and what happens with Bank of America statements is this glitch that showed these people getting tens of thousands of dollars in overdraft refunds last week will not show up on the statement. So the story of what happened on April 15, 2021 will not be in the bank statement because it was pending and it could drop off as bank um, associates like to tell their um, customers. Well, yeah, it's cool that it dropped off, but you're not telling the story correctly. There was this huge whopper of a doozy of a story in the middle of the day that pretty much woke my ass up and told me that I have to deal with this right now. And that story is not being told in the statement. So seeing all those you know, people of color and people who were economically disadvantaged was very disheartening to me last week. Not so much for the fact that they made a joke about it. And a lot of people were joking about it. I thought it was funny, too, that people just all of a sudden had tens of thousands of dollars in their account and Bank of America doesn't own up once to the glitch. It just made me sad for the simple fact that if 90% of the people who were commenting on that were people of color, I mean, Caucasian white people would complain about this, too, right? Absolutely. But a lot of them weren't necessarily overdrawn or near overdraft status. That just told me what I've always enforced here, that um, communities of color are more susceptible to overdraft fees, and it's more of a punishment than a, a way of spinning it to where they make it seem like that they're the fucking heroes for letting your bills go through. I guess it's time to do this exercise right now since I just mentioned it. Um, Bank of America has a way, and I was trained to talk like this at Bank of America, of spinning an overdraft, spinning an overdraft fee, as um as a service as a courtesy to you like they fucking you know cured cancer or something like that so i used to have people go what the fuck i got overdraft three times for one dollar this is ridiculous i owe 101 dollars because i decided to go to sonic for a drink this is fucking ridiculous i hate this bank and then this is how james the notorious banker formerly known as james baca at bank of america would handle that 
you know, Mr. Customer, I do understand your concern. I do understand your frustration. One of the things that Bank of America does with overdraft fees is it allows you to bank the way that you want to bank. So sometimes, you know, we can't get to the bank, but of course you still want to pay your bills. So what Bank of America does as a courtesy to you is it allows those automatic payments to the electric company, to the phone company to go through. That way you can continue on with those services. They don't disconnect your electricity or your phone. And that allows you to, to pay the bills and get things taken care of. Yes, we do charge a $35 fee per transaction for those things. But think of it more as a convenience charge to allow you to continue to function um, with all the things that you have as well. Did you have any questions? I used to be that shill for Bank of America, where I basically just said, hey, we did this for you because we, f we feel bad for you and we wanted to make sure that they didn't turn off the electricity. So yeah, we're gonna take $35 and then we're gonna screw you over and they're gonna receive the money and you're gonna owe us a little bit more, making that bill that much more expensive because we understand how important it is for you to pay your bills. Shut the fuck up, that's a cash grab and you know it. And the fact of the matter that communities of color were the ones mostly impacted by this weird glitch last week was not beyond me. And it just is really frustrating. It really gets me mad because there's so many people who just pay thousands in overdraft fees and they don't know any better and they see it as a cost of living. And that sucks. Imagine if you had 20 overdrafts in a year, which is $700. The shit that I can do with $700 would blow your minds, my friend. Trust me on that. And no, I'm not buying Dogecoin or Bitcoin or anything. I'm talking about buying groceries. I'm figuring out a way to make that money work for me in more tangible ways than just, hey, I'm going to spend it. So many people impacted by these overdraft credits. And um, a couple of people reached out to me by DM saying, hey, I spent some of the money and now it got reversed. Now I owe $300. What's going to happen to me? And this is when I said, oh, shit, this is a shitstorm waiting to happen. And I'm sure there's dozens, if not hundreds of people who went through the same thing. So basically, if say you got $2,000 in temporary credit from Bank of America for this weird glitch, putting you from negative 100 to plus 1900. And they say, hey, I'm going to buy a PlayStation 5 with 10 games and two controllers and all that. And you spend every single penny of that leaving a dollar in the account and then all of a sudden they take back their accidental credit and now you're in the hole almost two thousand dollars and they're saying well that's their fault right they'll understand and they'll fix it right yeah they'll fix it but then they're also going to fix you the thing that i was scared about and i talked to people who reached out to me was if you spent that money and you had no way of actually paying it back immediately and it gets sent to collections or it gets sent to one of those uh, departments at Bank of America where they're calling you every day saying, hey, where's our money? That can lead to you being banned from ever banking again, not just at Bank of America, but other institutions. Because what will happen is if they charge that account off with money that you spent that wasn't yours, then every bank you go to, which, which includes credit unions, mind you, We'll get a screen that says James Baca had his account closed at Bank of America on April 16, 2021 for account abuse. Account abuse makes it sound like you're doing like drug deals through the account. But when in actuality, all, all account abuse is, is excessively overdrafting or getting so far negative that you needed help to get back up. Those notes don't go away. And whenever you pay off what you owe with big banks, I know this from my experience at B of A. They don't necessarily call check systems and go, hey, check systems, this is James. Can you remove um, the bad notes that we put for James Baca's account? It looks like he paid us off, and we want to do right by him because, you know, he has a really great wife and great kids. They don't fucking care. They don't ever want you to bank there again, and you're not allowed to bank again when you have a charge-off like that at Bank of America. And do you think they care that you're going to not be able to bank somewhere else because you owed them money? Absolutely not. They're not going to care one bit. They don't care about you. So taking care of that was of the utmost importance for people, and I couldn't emphasize it enough for people. I'm like, borrow money from your family member to make it right and then pay them back or something. Because what happens is you don't want to know what happens. Banned from banking is one thing. But, you know, the simple, simple fact that you're that much in the hole, if you're a couple thousand in the hole, if not more, that's when the bank can refer you to the police for theft, for larceny or whatever. And this takes me back to the very first podcast I ever did when I was called Why Your Bank Sucks, now it's the Notorious Banker. 
where the first story was an ATM in Houston that was dispersing $100 bills instead of 10s. Someone put the wrong denomination of bills in the ATM, and anytime someone took out $10 at the ATM, they were rewarded 10 times over for $100 for taking that 10 out, causing this shitstorm where thousands of people were flocking on this Houston area ATM to get their little bonus bonus out of there. The former chief of police in Houston, Art Acevedo, I believe his name was, said in a statement that this is grand theft. That if the bank wants to press charges, it would pursue them and you can be subject to arrest. It's a felony. You can go to prison for that. But Bank of America inexplicably two years ago said, yeah, no, go ahead and keep the money. Because they didn't want to have the narrative of taking money from black folk because it was a black neighborhood during Christmas time, whenever it was their mistake. I mean, they, they didn't want to appear to be ogres, even though they are. And that's what happened, and people got to keep their money, and someone took a tens of thousands of dollars, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars loss on that ATM. But seeing what Chief Art Acevedo said in that press conference pretty much told me, don't mess around with Bank of America when it comes to money and charge-offs like that. They will pursue legal action if they see fit. They will ban you from banking in the U.S. And to think that there could have been hundreds of people of color who would have ran into that situation because of what happened last week just blows my mind. And it gives me the, the fuel that I need to continue to say that I think Bank of America does this shit on purpose sometimes. I really do believe that. But needless to say, it was a very weird glitch, and I hope it never happens again in that way because there were so many people who got a kick out of it, but there were so many people who saw this as a Hey, it's finally my time. I finally catch a break, so I'm going to finally spend this money on things that me and my family need. Only to find out that whoops are bad. Oh yeah, now you owe us, or I'm going to call the cops on you. But seriously, the lack of communication from B of A help, the 1-800 number, anyone who was talking about that, just makes me sick to my stomach, to be quite frank with you. And I get so angry and frustrated at Bank of America for doing the things that they do with this, so... Um, a big why, you, why your bank sucks to Bank of America on this one because it seems like the technolo technologically advanced company that Bank of America claims to be on the business news channels, which I know they're not. I mean, they still had fucking typewriters on their desk 10 years ago, for God's sakes, is nothing. The technologically advanced company is not what they say they are because of glitches like this. And we've covered dozens of glitches in the time we've been doing this podcast. And I got to tell you, Bank of America never releases a statement. Oh, they, they released a no comment one time to a news organization, I believe in San Francisco, when they asked about the outages. This was pre-pandemic. But these things happen. Bank of America says nothing and people freak out. That's not the way how you do customer service, my friends. Bank of America, shame on you for what happened last week. I hope you made it right. I hope there's no notes on my customers' accounts for this little issue that you created. And um, just a reminder to everyone, if you ever see more money in there from the bank as a credit refund or whatever, and you're not sure what it is, call them and ask them. Yes, 99.9% .9 of the time, they're probably going to take it away. But it's better to be on the record knowing that you communicated with someone about it than spending the money, asking for forgiveness later, and then Bank of America asking um, the cops to arrest you for theft. So be careful out there, my friends. Um, check your online banking at your risk. Never go by the available balance on there. I am in agreement with that on Bank of America because there's always things continuously coming and going nowadays, especially with Cash App and all these things that can push instant deposits and stuff. So just be really careful when you're doing that, and hopefully we won't have to do another one of these damn stories again. After this brief rolls consideration, I'm going to talk about a news story that talked about overdraft fees during the pandemic in 2020 and how it touches upon what we've been talking about for the last year. So please, my friends, stick around. Hey everyone, it's James, Notorious Banker, inviting you to join me on Patreon. Yes, it's the second anniversary of patreon.com slash notoriousbanker. For as little as a $1 subscription, you can help me, the Notorious Banker, fight back against big banks. Well, how do I do that? I use my brand of Vigilante Customer Service to help people recoup monthly maintenance and overdraft fees, deal with customer service issues such as check hold releases and fraud claim reversals, and the general customer service malaise that is the big banking industry. Banks like Bank of America, Chase, City, and Wells Fargo 
um, have big bank mindsets but very small-minded customer service skills. The Notorious Banker fights back against that. With a subscription for as little as $1 a month, you could help me, the Notorious Banker, fight on behalf of the little guy who don't realize that they have a chance to fight back against big banks if given the opportunity. Go to patreon.com slash notoriousbanker for more information about me, more information about what I do, and to subscribe today to my Patreon. You'll also get additional podcast and video content, among other things, with that subscription as well. And I thank you so much for contributing, and my customers and my clients, my followers, my listeners, thank you too. All right, everyone, I'm back with more Notorious Banker. So there was an article by an Alexander Salmon of an entity called the American Prospect. I'm not too familiar with the American Prospect that went kind of viral yesterday. He shared it and then a lot of people in the media and journalism shared it as well. And it is a really straightforward to the point headline. Big banks charged billions in overdraft fees during the worst months of the pandemic. And that's eye-catching. It talks about the stuff that you and I have been talking about on this podcast for, you know, two and a half years now. And especially throughout the 150 episodes I've done this, the last 60 or so have have to do with the pandemic and how things are going with stuff like that. And you know from listening to this podcast that overdraft fees have always been bad. You know, it's it's a scourge, as I said, and, you know, the last segment notwithstanding, we've been talking about all these weird things that happen with overdrafts because, you know, I started banking at Bank of America in 2005 when I was 21 years old, and I got my job a little less than a year later from there, and I worked there 13 years. So 16 years of my adult life, of 20 years of being an adult, have been affiliated with Bank of America either as a customer, pundit, or an employee. And I know overdraft fees are horrible to a lot of people. Um, So billions in overdraft fees during the pandemic is bad. Um, There's a couple of things that I wanted to discuss in the article. And I have a habit of reading the whole thing and I don't want to do that. I'm going to link to in the show notes. I want you to read the whole thing yourself because, you know, people who work for these websites and who work for newspapers and media entities, they're judged by clicks and they're judged by people looking at their work. So I'm not going to just basically just narrate an audiobook version of it. I want you to read it, but I do want to hit on some of the key points in this article here um, because I really do think it's important. And like I said, it went pretty viral yesterday. And um, good job on Alex for interacting with the people on Twitter because... You know, just like everyone else, you want to be seen, you want to be known. And whenever people are praising your work, you really should be interactive with them. I've, you know, 3,100 followers plus for me have all been hard-earned followers. And I make sure to be interactive with a lot of them. It's it's important to me to know that I'm always going to be there for those people, even if my followers goes from 3,100 to 31,000 over the course of the next few years. You know, who knows? The subheadline on this was recent financial disclosures show overdrafts to be lucrative for commercial banks and a burden on their most vulnerable customers. And, you know, we've always said that. And, and of course, seeing the financial disclosures, the quarterly earnings report where, you know, Chase was making double digit billions of dollars in the last quarter. Uh, Bank of America, $8.1 billion, a um, little over $1,050 a second they were making. And then Wells Fargo making several billion dollars when last year they turned a a loss for the first time in 12 years. So there's so much going on out there. There's so much going on in the world with overdraft fees and with poor customer service, but people without money, people without jobs, people dealing with unemployment bullshit, whether it's California or other states, these are things that people are dealing with right now. And of course, banks are profiting all the way to the bank, pun intended there. And I'm an honest person, and I and I do want to say that do banks become these, you know, these humongous companies off the backs of poor people? No, absolutely not. That's not the way that it truly is. Banks make money off of poor people, but banks want to focus on bigger things. They want to, you know, focus on commercial banking, you know, to the extreme. You know, Bank of America would rather just do business with Walmart that do business with 23 million people who shop at Walmart. Because those 23 million people who shop at Walmart have 23 million problems. They have 23 million trips to branches where you have to build buildings or lease buildings, pay for the electric bill, the water bill, and employees and staff, and, you know, pens and lollipops for the kids. 
No, so you you see how banks want to do business, and it doesn't make sense to where they make tens of billions of dollars a quarter combined, and it's not all off the backs of poor people. It is some of it, some of it is that, but not all of it. So I want to make one thing clear: whenever we talk about stuff like this in the podcast, I'm I'm fighting for the people, but I'm also honest enough to say that hey, you know what? Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Chase's profits come from various sources of income as well. That's a drop in the bucket, but it is a huge damn drop. Um, the first um, paragraph reads, Last week, the country's largest banks announced their quarterly earnings crushing estimates and expectations nearly across the board. I think a lot of news entities tempered expectations on estimates because they didn't want to be made like idiots. But I think a lot of people knew that the banks were going to make a lot of money. That's my personal opinion. It marked another surprisingly profitable quarter in what's become quite a run since the coronavirus hit the U.S. over a year ago. Banks, to the surprise of no one, have been among the first American institutions to recover. I mean, personally, I would say that they recovered after one quarter last year. And starting Q3 2020, they were already kicking ass. And have done so dramatically, and millions of working people lag behind. One of the more unheralded profit centers that have driven the money train is the return of overdraft fees. In the last three months of 2020, 12 of the 15 largest American banks, all of them with consumer-facing banking operations, reaped huge revenue just from slapping overdraft fees on needy and vulnerable Americans during the very worst days of the pandemic. So I mentioned Bank of America's announcement in their newsroom about how, hey, we'll work with you on overdraft fees, just give us a call. And then when people called, it was a five, six-hour wait if you could even get through at all. And it just seemed like an empty promise. But overdraft fees never stopped happening. The last segment that I did talked about overdraft fees being credited um, to allow people to reap the full benefits of the stimulus. Now, that wasn't righting a wrong. That was patching up a wrong and then peeling off that patch in 30 days later. So people were struggling. People were flustered with that. Because here's the thing. With overdraft fees, and this is this goes for all banks, and all banks have overdraft overdraft-free accounts now, safe balance, um, total checking at Chase, and then there's the other one, opportunity checking at Wells Fargo, I almost forgot it, where there's no overdraft fees. You pay a flat fee, and they say, we're not going to have any overdraft fees on this account. So banks do put those options out there. So let's, let's not pretend that those options don't exist, but most people aren't in those because they have direct deposit. Most people aren't in those because guess what? A lot of the salespeople at those banks uh, don't offer those accounts because they don't get sales credit for them. So they have to offer the overdraft capable accounts and that's what gets people into trouble. So it says banks could have capped overdraft fees for a certain number of months or had no fees during the pandemic, but they didn't want to give up a dollar of overdraft revenue in any formal way, said Rebecca Borne, Senior Policy Counsel at the Center for Responsible Lending. So what we see now is a return to business as usual, where our largest banks each took over a billion dollars out of the checking accounts of people during the one of the worst years in our history. It's a gobsmacking amount of money. Well, yes, anything with a B is a gobsmacking amount of money. Um, but, you know, there's a couple of things going on here. So if someone was negative $100 in their checking account, doesn't matter what bank that they're in. Um, most banks, in fact, none of the big banks charge an extended overdraft fee. Bank of America got sued on that five years ago and they stopped doing that. So if you're negative, you're negative until your account is closed. So it's not a daily thing. It's not something that keeps accumulating or anything like that. There's a lot of places that just don't do it that way. But that still doesn't mean that those things don't suck. Those things are horrible things, okay? And, and of course, even with overdraft fees being present and i always use bank of america as an example because i'm familiar with it bank of america's debit card will not allow you to process a point of sale purchase if you don't have enough money to cover the account meaning if you have two dollars and fifty cents in your account and go to mcdonald's and it's seven your card won't work your card won't allow that to pay through go to minus 450 and then charge you the fee it doesn't work that way the way overdraft fees work with all of the major banks now is if it has what's called an authorized transaction, a gas purchase, a gym membership, Netflix, something that's recurring, something that you've authorized on the other end saying, hey, yeah, no, Netflix is fine, I approved it. That's the things, those are the things that overdraft accounts. So, you know, overdrafts are, they could have been more, I'll just put it that way. 
you know, and capping overdraft fees and all that good stuff. You know, we discussed that a decade ago with, um, you know, everything that happened in Congress then. And seeing the limitations of how Bank of America used to be able to charge seven overdraft fees in a business day, then it got capped to four. The capabilities were there, but it seems like people forgot along the way that, hey, we had these kind of safety nets in place to protect our customers. And the pandemic kind of uh, brought that to the forefront because so many people were finally in a position where, oh shit, I might overdraft for the first time since college or whatever. So it, it's not that they stopped being there. It's just more people saw how shitty it is to not have money and more people complained. That's that's all that it is. And like I said, by no means am I defending banks, but at the same time, we want to be honest about this. And, and the fact of the matter is overdraft fees have just been progressively worse in the last 15 years because basically the debit card, the automatic payment, online banking, the capability of buying stuff online, buying a recurring subscription to a game that you like to play on your cell phone, those things weren't around 15 years ago to get you in trouble. Now there's all these other landmines out there to potentially cause a $35 overdraft. So there's more opportunities to overdraft than things we do day to day, not just, oh, banks are predatory and they, they do more overdraft fees than ever before. It's a, it's a two-way street. It says the uniquely profitable part of the banking sector almost exclusively targets the very poor. According to a 2017 study by the CFPB, 5% of all accounts have over 20 overdrafts a year. So 5% of all accounts spend $700 a year in overdraft fees, which produces 63.3% of all the overdraft fees paid by consumers. Another 4.2% of bank accounts have 10 overdrafts a year and make up 15%. So basically, 9.2% of bank accounts make up 78.3% of the overdrafts. And that sounds about right. Man, just imagine how much money that is. You can't even fathom that. And it says, levying overdraft fees on the financially insecure has become a larger and larger part of the business strategy for American banks over the past three decades, more than doubling as a source of income in that time period. Since the Great Recession, total overdraft fees have surged steadily upwards, reaching a peak in 2019. That was the first year that I wasn't a banker when banks made $11 billion in revenue on just overdrafts alone, almost 5% of total bank revenue. So as, as you see there, 5% is not 50% of the bank's revenue. So it is a drop in the bucket. But like I said, it is a pretty big drop. So, you know, whenever I read this article, it's a great article. And I, and I implore you to share this with your, you know, with your friends and family. And I'm going to share it to you in the show notes as well. But I just want to make one thing clear with it. Yes, of course, they've gotten worse because, you know, it, it all goes hand in hand. I, I do believe that the cats away, the mice will play type of things. I do believe the previous administration in the White House kind of turned a blind eye to what banks were doing. And that kind of caused that as well. And um, our current president has a lot of ties to a lot of banks, including the bank that I work for as well. So we'll see where that goes the next three and a half years as well. So I'm not saying that it's a partisan thing by any means, because big banks donate to both sides of the aisle. That's just the way that it is. Although, um, of course, AOC and all these people are talking about post office banking and stuff like that. And I'm just leery of anything post office related just because of the financial problems that they have. I mean, banks make billions of dollars. They're successful. They know how to do certain things right. So I don't know why you would stray from that, although they are predatory. I know it's a weird dichotomy, but still. Um, overdraft fees, like I said, are an extension of a conversation not being had by the banker to the customer. It's it's one thing to just blame the banks for everything, but it's another thing for for the consumers, for the public to blame the bank saying, hey, you never taught me what happens if Netflix comes out and I don't have money. The speed of having to open an account because there's other new accounts waiting out there in the lobby is what gets a lot of bankers in trouble. It gets a lot of bankers from cutting corners, from not talking about, hey, this is what our overdraft fee is. This is how to avoid it. It's, it's basically one of those things that, that goes along with anything that's dangerous. You know, I've never jumped out of an airplane, but before you jump out of an airplane, I'm sure there's a video or something where they say, hey, whenever you jump out of the plane, this is the, this is the cord that you pull, this is what you do when you're gliding with the parachute, and this is how you land. 
They don't go, oh, fuck this. We got 10 people waiting for us. Let's get up there and let's just throw their ass out. They'll figure it out. They've seen it on TV before. And then someone dies. I mean, that's just a way that cutting corners can affect anyone in life. A banker doesn't have that conversation with a customer. Or worse yet, and this is where I come across I hate opening accounts online or I hate that people open accounts online because they do not read the terms and conditions. They do not read the fee schedule. The one thing that I can I can honestly say about my banking experience working there and what um, people that I've trained that worked at Wells Fargo and BBVA and places like that, that I can tell you that they do well is they give you the information and it's part of the process of opening the account that they give you a big folder full of shit. Now they can't make you read it, but they can say, hey, this is all the stuff you need to know before you go head first into banking with us. And I really think that it's important to kind of provide that information. So with overdrafts, you know, most people say, well, I thought my card would stop or I thought that you guys would deny this payment if I didn't have money. Well, double check those things to make sure because it's one thing to blame the banks for overdraft fees. And yes, I do blame the banks for overdraft fees. But ignorance of how things work is not an excuse in my personal opinion. But, you know, shame on banks for charging billions of dollars during the pandemic. And you know how hard we worked here on The Notorious Banker to get some of those monies back into the accounts of so many hardworking Americans who didn't have a job during the pandemic as well. It says, as the months wore on, it seemed that the problem might have solved itself as overdraft revenues plunged. But that was not an expression of a more forgiving banking sector, sector taking voluntary action. Rather, it was a result of the short, substantial short-term cash assistance from the CARES Act with stimulus checks with, and boosted federal unemployment insurance. Banks put out press releases sympathizing with the economic pain. They even suggested that customers can call to get an overdraft pen, penalty refunded if it was pandemic-related. But that was never a serious commitment. There are millions of instances of overdraft every year in the United States and setting up a mass refund program would have required massive call center hiring and staffing processes to process the volume of requests. They were never serious about it and it never amounted to much. So he makes a good point with this and um, I did comment it on his tweet. Um, they comment on his tweet about it where I basically said, hey, they put this press release out saying if you need help, call us and you couldn't talk to them. The hiring of massive call center staffing things, the only pushback that I'll have on that is, and the temporarily closed branches at Bank of America and Wells Fargo, they did put phones in the houses of a lot of displaced employees with those temporary closed call centers. So they um, did upwards of, I think, four times the amount of call center staff, um, even though they were work from home at that point. Bank of America never really had a work from home call center thing until the pandemic and now they have quite a few of them and i don't think they're always going to be there but they're still there now but you know there's not enough people and 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 alex is right in this to have a massive call center hiring because there's 67 million customers at bank of america there's 30 million customers at wells fargo that's roughly one out of every three people in the country that bank with those two banks so if 10 percent of the people have a problem that's nine million plus people and maybe 100,000 call center staff. It's, it's impossible to take 90 calls on a day. It's just impossible. So, you know, people were going to wait and people were going to have to uh, keep on trying and finally get lucky and talk to one of these people. That's the shittiest part of it. And that's the thing that just, you know, upsets me the most. Because we could talk about PPP loans, CARES Act, stimuluses, and all that stuff. The, the, the fake concern saying, hey, if you... If you call us, we'll get something fixed for you. That's that, that's what they want to see. And you'll understand that Bank of America announced a $100 million program you know, to help people for the COVID-19 pandemic. And then when George Floyd got killed, they announced a billion-dollar thing to end racism. And then whenever the mass shooting of Asians in Atlanta happened, they added $250 million to that. So after the mass shooting um, in Atlanta... They added two and a half times more money to that program to to end racism or whatever than they did for all of the COVID-19 pandemic process, which included refunds and pausing home loans and car loans and stuff like that. Obviously, more people are impacted by COVID-19 than any of those tragic incidents that happened in Minneapolis and in Atlanta. Yeah, Bank of America just wanted to put that press release out there to make them sound like badasses, but they weren't. And, 
you know, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Chase, all of them making billions of dollars buying back their shares. That way their shareholders can make a shit ton more money. It's all there and it's all out in the open. And I really think that there's no stopping it in a way. I think shining more light on it, I think, is important. And I think that's what I try to do here. Um, But it's hard. It's hard to fight a battle when there's so many battles within the battle itself that you got to deal with. We're all in agreement that overdraft fees are wrong and horrible and shouldn't exist, especially to those people who are in need during the pandemic. And 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 I will you know fight to the death on that for a lot of of my followers, a lot of the people who reach out to me saying, "Hey, I need help fighting back against Bank of America or Wells Fargo." But at the same time, overdraft fees happen for different reasons. It's not necessarily, "Hey, you know, I don't have enough money and something went through and I got charged." It's about timing. It's about preferred methods of payment. Uh, for banks, for businesses, and for customers. It's all these things that collectively cause a cluster where something just is going to happen bad every once in a while. And that's no cop-out. And that's no saying, hey, you know, don't give all the crap to the banks because they deserve every ounce of crap. But like I said, whenever overdraft fees are 5% of their total revenues, it's, it's not the main focus that banks have. And I've told you before, and this is my theory, I really do believe that, you know, well, Wells Fargo has kind of speculated that they want to cut about 10% of their staff, which is 20,000 employees, and they want to close 500 branches this year. Bank of America's temporarily closed hundreds of branches nationwide. They've um, put a lot of people on work-from-home programs in the last year as well, and they're cutting costs because they're not having to deal with all the shit that goes with operating a financial center ordering money for the vault and all these things those are the expensive things you know staff is one thing but doing all the behind the scenes stuff is just as expensive the the one thing that i always talk about with well overdrafts make so much money for the banks but yeah they would gladly give up that revenue if it meant not having to spend additional monies having to deal with that issue Case in point, I had customers who were serial overdrafters, and and I felt bad for them. Some of them did it to themselves, to be quite frank with you, but some of them, it was just the circumstances of banks just screwing them over. But here was the problem with that, okay? It wasn't the, hey, you guys charged me a $35 fee. There was some people who would be in my office for an hour every day for five days in a week. Well, I made $22 an hour. 22 times 5 is $110. There was times where I literally got paid $110 to help one person who was complaining and bitching about one overdraft fee. I'm not saying that that person was in the wrong for complaining about that overdraft fee. I'm not. In fact, that's their right to do that. But I think what Bank of America and Wells Fargo want to do is eliminate that conversation so what do you do? You eliminate the customer. You would rather just close that customer's account out who's a serial overdrafter. I said, yeah, you know what? We made a business decision. And I've talked about this phrase business decision before. We made a business decision not to do business with you anymore because of whatever reason. They don't have to give a reason. But that person leaves and they're like, well, why? you guys make a lot of money off of me, whatever. I really do believe that banks believe that they lose money on those customers because of, you know, the what do they call that whenever you're, like your staff is burnt out from the day after the Super Bowl? You know, the, the workforce impact, the whole, the whole productivity, I guess is what I'm looking for. You know, the productivity of employees is less and less. I'm not selling accounts. I'm not getting that home loan for that old lady in line. I'm not potentially, you know, getting a credit card from this customer because I'm dealing with this one person who wants me to give some of the bank's money. I know that sounds weird. Give some of the bank's money back to them and their account because of this fee that they feel wasn't right. That's a net loss for the bank at that point. So I really do believe banks want to get rid of that. I really do believe that if Bank of America, Wells Fargo, and Chase had their way, that any customer under, let's say, $50,000 could not bank with them because you eliminate 95% of the service issues that go on with those three banks if it's someone complaining about a fee or someone complaining about a monthly maintenance fee 
or someone complaining about, hey, or just someone just asking the question about, hey, what can I do to save up for a vacation? I mean, these are conversations that my bank wanted me to have with customers, but they really didn't. That was just a way of growing deposit revenue, okay? I don't care about what you do on vacation, and I'm not here to guide you for that. That's more of a you thing than a me thing. My thing is to make you hit your financial goals, which allows us to hit our financial goals. But honestly, when you deal with people who get a $500 paycheck and $240 of it was in overdraft fees, and they're a positive 260 and in order to survive life with their automatic payments and other ways of doing business, they're going to be back to that negative balance again, and we'll do this dance again two weeks from now. And going to customer service saying, hey, what happened? Can I get a printout? What's this charge? Why is this say pending? Whatever. There are, there were times, and I understand my managers now, although I didn't like them. I understand why they would get on my ass about, man, that guy was in there for 30 minutes for what? To, to refund a fee that you couldn't refund because the system didn't let you? And it's true. I got paid handsomely, or at least I thought I did anyway, to tell someone that I couldn't do something and just hear them complain about it. The bank was losing revenue on the fact that I wasn't opening accounts for other people. And I think that's why big banks are like, you know what? We'd rather just not be in this consumer-facing game anymore. And I really do believe that with Bank of America. I really honestly believe that the majority of centers are going to have no employees. It's going to be all video chat, home loans, Merrill Lynch, you know, auto loan referrals. All those things are going to be done in the branch. And no cash is going to be on hand. And no tellers are going to be on hand. And no one there to help your service needs are going to be on hand. They're going to say, go on the app, talk to Erica, or call the 1-800 number. And that's just the way that it's going to go. I know I kind of went off on a tangent there, but uh, kudos to Alex again for this article. You really should read it. It's more of a broad overview about what happened in the last year. And as, of course, you know from this podcast, there was a lot that has went on during the pandemic. Overdraft fees were um, a big part of it in terms of billions of dollars in revenue. But you got to understand one thing. Those overdrafts were already there. Those overdraft fees were already there, my friends, and it just got more amplified because so many more people were out of work, unfortunately. And I hope things get better with that, but at the same time, now that more people have have tasted the bitterness of an overdraft fee, I really hope those people complain enough to where actual change is made. My fingers are crossed for that. That's going to do it for this podcast. Go to patreon.com slash notoriousbanker for more information about me and to donate at least $1 a month to the cause, to the Notorious Banker cause, where I help people fight back against big banks. Join me on TikTok at notoriousbanker, of course, at bankbetterguy on Twitter. Thank you to the 3,100 plus followers I have. Um, The voicemail line, 575-322-4127, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns. And then my email addresses are james at thenotoriousbanker.com or thenotoriousbanker at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Um, Thank you so much for listening to this. I really do appreciate it. We'll be back um, a little bit later next week with another podcast. Hopefully um, some interesting topics to talk about. Actually, you know what? Anytime I say that and something interesting happens, it means a lot of people in, in the consumer world get hurt by big banks. So we don't want that. We want interesting news where no one gets hurt. So, so and that sounds weird, right? So until we meet again, my name is James, Notorious Banker, signing off. Thank you so very much for listening to this podcast, and you have a great day. Goodbye.